And tonight we're going to hop into the deacon, amen? What is the biblical definition of a deacon? But look at 1 Timothy chapter number 3, uh, down to verse number 8. Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not a grave, but grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding fast the mystery of faith and a pure conscience. And let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own house as well. For they that use the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree in great boldness and faith uh, in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for tonight, Lord. Lord, I'm just thankful, Lord, for a little place on the side of the road. We're thankful, Lord, for what you're doing here. We're thankful, Lord, for how you're doing it. And Lord, we're thankful for who you're using to do it in and through, Lord. We're a church full of people who don't deserve to be here. We're a church full of people who have not earned our spot in church and earned our place in the ministry. Lord, we're simply here because of the grace of God. We're hungry, Lord. We're thirsting after the things of God. And I pray, Lord, tonight you'd give us a greater hunger. Lord, as we preach this morning, help us to be more thirsty for the word of God. Help us to be more hungry for the, to watch men and women get saved by the grace of God. And Lord, we thank you tonight. The half hasn't been told. Lord, what a blessing that is as being a pastor, being a preacher, knowing good and well, Lord, that, Lord, you have something greater than my message. You have something greater than my ability. Lord, what you have prepared for us, God, we don't have an eyewitness to it. God, we've, we've not heard it in its complete entirety. And God, we can't even get the thought into our heart how great it's going to be. But Lord, we know that you've prepared it for us. And Lord, you said if it wasn't so, you would have told us. Lord, I'm just firmly believing tonight, God, you're doing a great work. You're doing far more than we could even see and comprehend tonight. Lord, help us to be careful to give you the glory and the praise. Lord, help us be careful, Lord, to trust not in our own ability, but in yours. Help us to lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge you. God, begin to see exactly what you're doing in our hearts and lives. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You ever notice that some things get taken too far? What do you mean by the preaching? In essence, they start off good. And then over time, something changes and it gets far off course. It gets way out from what it's actually supposed to be. And, and we, we've seen that not just in our country, we can see that in our society. But oftentimes you can see that in the position of the deacon in the church. It is something that is good, right? It is God ordained, God designed it. God gave it to the church and gave the position to that. But nine times out of 10 or the majority of people today don't have a biblical understanding of the position of the deacon or really what are the requirements of the deacon? What is the deacon supposed to do and what are they not supposed to do? And, and all these different kind of things. And here's the thing, I was getting my hair cut the other day and that, that lady asked me, she said, do y'all got any committees or boards at your church? I said, ma'am, we don't even have deacons. She said, What? What kind of church doesn't have a deacon? South Haven Baptist Church. 
doesn't have a deacon. And it's not because tonight that, that I'm, I'm saying, well, I don't need it or, or you know, it's not biblical tonight. But we're going to see tonight that not every church has to have one or not every church necessarily needs one. And in the moment that deacon loses its biblical role and becomes a ceremonial role or a traditional role, it's lost its purpose. It's lost its true meaning tonight. And here's the thing, a lot of what we see in churches today and what the, the deacons do and what they, uh, what they handle and, 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 and their, their responsibilities aren't found in the word of God tonight. And so what started off as something good in the word of God has become something that has a tarnished reputation, has a, it just gives you a sour taste in your mouth. I got to chuckling, I was studying this, and, and I, I, college football started. There's a school in North Carolina called Wake Forest. Originally, they were a progressive Baptist school. Now, today, I would not send anybody there for them to learn theology, to learn doctrine. They are all full-blown ecumenical, all those kind of things. But they have a mascot, and they are the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. And I thought, that sounds about right, coming out of an original Baptist school. <laughs> The demon deacons, right? And it's one of those things where, where, you, where you hear that. The most dreaded words that you may ever hear is, you have to go before the deacon board, right? It becomes something that it wasn't designed to be. But that doesn't mean we just get rid of it. We just cross it out. But rather, we need to bring it back to what the Bible says. There's something in my heart and my desire as I pastor South Haven Baptist Church. And the question I always want to answer and ask is, what does the Bible say? Don't just give me your tradition, as wonderful as it might have been and how great your memories used to be, I don't want just tradition, right? I've got a lot of traditions in my life. None of them are, some of them, none of them, some of them aren't biblical, right? They're, they're traditions that we've started as a family and they, we, we, we've, we've done things different ways. Uh, for instance, the night before the kid's uh, birthday, we normally take them out for cupcakes or donuts or we celebrate it the night before. That's a tradition. I don't have a verse. I don't have a chapter for it. In essence, tonight, but there are some things that have come to the position of the deacon. There is no chapter or verse for them, but they're held as if they are. So tonight, let's look at what the Bible has to say about the deacon or the position of the deacon or the deacons. Take your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter number six. You can keep your place there in 1 Timothy chapter three. We're gonna Acts chapter six tonight, and we're gonna see, number one, the inception of this position, or the inception of the deacon. Acts chapter six, verse one, the Bible says, and in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily menstruation. Or essence, their widows weren't being taken care of. They were being neglected, right? They weren't, they weren't getting necessarily what they needed. Verse number two, then the 12 called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom ye may appoint over the business. We will give ourselves, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer into the ministry of the word. And saying, the saying pleased the whole multitude. And those chose Stephen, a man of faith and of the Holy Ghost, Philip and Procurus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmesan and Nicholas and the proselyte Antioch. His name wasn't Parmesan, but Parmenas. Right, and we see these men, these seven men. Here's the interesting thing. All those men have Greek names. It's an interesting thing. It's the beauty of the gospel, amen. It's bringing men who were outside of it. Now, by the grace of God, are inside of it. 
And God has opened up a position for them. And when they had set before the apostles and when they prayed, they laid their hands on them. The word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly and great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And so we see, and here's the thing about the word deacon or the position of deacon is it's solely a New Testament thing. Right, it is, it is used uh, primarily or expressly in 1 Timothy, but Acts chapter number 6 is commonly understood as the first uh, ordaining, the first uh, calling, the first uh, setting apart and establishing these men to be what we would call the position of deacons. Right, It's commonly referred to as the first deacons being selected and chosen. You say, well, preacher, why in the world did they wait until Acts chapter number six? I think up until now, the 12 disciples were able to, in and amongst themselves, to take care of the responsibility of one, preaching the word of God, but also those daily ministry tasks. Remember Paul said all those things that he went through, and then on top of this, the ministry as well, right? In essence, tonight, we, we talked about this in the pastor, right? The pastor's main responsibility is to feed the flock of God that is among him, but that is not his only responsibility, right? It's his main one, but it's not his only one. Right, and we see right here, he said, well, preacher, why in the world, why is it now a problem? Well, you go back to Acts chapter 2, day of Pentecost, how many were added to the church? 3,000. Right, we're added to them, 3,000. Could you imagine on a given Sunday if 3,000, I don't know where we put 3,000 people. <laughs> Let's put it in our statistics. What if 100 people came in here, got saved by the grace of God on a Sunday? First of all, none of the brethren will believe it. Right, but it's okay. I'm not trying to make the brethren believe anything. The last time I checked, I'm still an independent fundamental Baptist church. I'm independent, amen, and we're independent. But notice here tonight, if that were the case, right, all of a sudden, you gotta think, 3,000 people added to the church. All of a sudden, now there's 3,000 lives, 3,000 problems, 3,000 families, 3,000, you fill in the blank tonight, and what, I don't, we don't know necessarily the number right before this, but it was nowhere near the thousands, and now all of a sudden, now there are daily ministry tasks that 12 men can't cover, that 12 men can't do by themselves. And so we see, verses one through three, that deacons were birthed out of a problem, right? They were birthed out of an issue. A certain group of widows were being neglected, not ministered, uh, mistreated, but not being looked after in a satisfactory manner. In essence, it wasn't that they were getting beat and different things like that, but rather their needs weren't being met. It's a serious issue, right? Because it caused a great imbalance. We understand that tonight that our Bible, one, teaches, yes, our great commission is to preach the gospel, right? To, to, to teach the word of God, that pastors are to feed the flock among them, right? That is a responsibility, but there's also a biblical man, command to take care of the widows, Right, to help the widows, to look after the widows. And so we see here tonight, there's this great problem. These 12 men, they said we can't do both of those or in their attempt to do both of them, they were leaving somebody out. They were being neglected. They were not being looked after like they should be. Right, it's brought to their attention. And here's what I find interesting. Those 12 men, instead of scalding them, instead of yelling at them, well, don't you know I'm trying my best? Well, they said, we've got to figure something out, fellas. We've, we've got to change something. We cannot let this imbalance keep going. God wasn't going to use uh, every man to write the word of God. Now, he'd use some of those 12 men. And imagine if Peter had not written the epistles because he was too busy ministering. He was too busy doing those things to hear the voice of God and the Holy Spirit working in his heart. 
And so we understand they both had a, a serious need. And here's the reality of the Christian life. I believe the Christian life is to be lived in balance. Right? I believe as a pastor, right, I don't have a calling to sacrifice my family. I don't have a calling to set them off somewhere. Well, daddy is the pastor. Right? Here's the thing. I had them before I was ever a pastor. I had them before I ever held this position. But at the same time, right, there has to be a balance there. Right, it's the same thing for those of you who, who work in the workforce, right? You have a family, but you have a job. And, and sometimes, you know, really, ideally, you're not allowed to bring them to work with you, right? But at the same time, you're not, you're not to use your work as an excuse to neglect your family. I don't think God designed it that way. Well, that's the way God de designed it to be, right? I don't, I don't think it's just the man's, I don't know how in the world we got off on this, Right, but I don't think it's just the man's job to earn a paycheck and to pay the bills. I think it's part of his responsibility, but he also has a responsibility to train his children. Right, not, not just shove them in Sunday school somewhere, not, not to leave them up to the pastor, but take the time with them. Listen, I, I love my dad to death. Matter of fact, I was texting with him this week, and I love him. He, 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 he was a great father in my life. But looking back now, he, he did a lot of things and provided well for us. And we got to experience a lot of things in our childhood that he never got to experience on the farm. And right, we, we had a, a great bringing up, had a great things. But now looking back as, as a father myself, I realize what I, what I probably would have appreciated a whole lot more than just the things my dad did for me and, and the things that my dad got for me was to spend time with him. Right, and to let him train me and teach me on things. But we see here tonight, it was a serious issue, right? These, these widows who were commanded biblically to help and to, to strengthen and to, to look after were being neglected because there was probably just too many of everybody going around. Right, and so these 12 disciples come together and they said, listen, we have to get 12 or seven men that can help us. Look at verse number three of Acts chapter number six. Wherefore, brethren, look out to you among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over the business. So they had a sincere plan, right? In essence, what was their plan? What was the deacon instituted for? To help serve the widows. Here's the thing tonight. And I, sometimes you got to rewire your brain and what you've been taught and what you've been told is that position of deacon is a position of service. It's not a position of governing. It's not a position of running the church. It's not a position of controlling the pastor. It is a position of service, right? Because right there in verse number two, the, the, those disciples say, hey, well, it's not meat for us to serve tables, right? It's not meat for us to leave the word of God and, and, and serve tables. What in the world do they mean? I, I've heard it said that, uh, that the deacons were to go serve tables or to wait tables. And that really understanding of that is they're to make sure the widows got the portion that, they, that was needed in, in their life. And so it's an opportunity to serve, right? And so we see that it's a sincere plan. It's a special purpose. The deacons weren't put there so the disciples could have more free time to relax, Right, or, or to, to take it easy in that sense. And I think sometimes, and, 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 and I, I can't speak for every church, but I think there are some churches where the pastor puts everything else on everybody else, not so he can give himself time to study the word of God so that he can take it easy. He can take it easy. I know, I know pastors and uh, different uh, preachers and whatnot, I'm like, how in the world do you have time to play golf that much? Right, how in the world do you have time to go do all these things? Thinking, does your church not keep you busy? 
But we see here tonight that the deacon was brought in. Right, and it was, it was established to help these 12 men to devote themselves to the word of God. And can I say tonight, if a, if a church is gonna be successful in that sense, if a church is gonna please the Lord, the pastor has to have, be able to give themselves to the word of God. And thankfully, listen, I, I, I'm beyond grateful tonight for the privilege to be a full-time pastor. Right, not only is it, I think it's a blessing to my family, but at the same time, I think it's a blessing to you. I have the ability, as of right now in my schedule, is that I can, I can block things out and sit in my office and open up the word of God and say, all right, God, your people need something. And God, you've chosen me to give it to them. And Lord, I'm gonna need it first if I'm gonna give it to them. And well, I'm thankful for that tonight. Now, here's the thing. If it ever gets to the place where the pastor cannot do that, and it's not because they're, they're slack or they're lazy, but there's just too much other ministry going on that they can't do it all tonight, then I think it's wise and it's, it's, it's a biblical example to bring in a deacon. Here's the interesting thing. <laughs> 3,000 added to the church. We don't know the exact number, but they bring in seven men. Seven men to help, to serve, and to take care of the, the, the hands-on, so to speak, of the ministry. And there's a special purpose Right, it wasn't the, the plan or purpose. It was made so that each could serve the Lord in a better capacity. So we see tonight the, the inception of deacons. They're brought in to help solve a problem, which was serving the widows. And so we see uh, the Bible, there's that command of, uh, or that teaching of the law first mentioned. And so we see these men the first time they are called in to serve and to help the widows. But here's the thing, not only is there an inception, but notice number two, there's an inspection of the deacon. So just like the pastor ought to be a qualified man, the deacon needs to be a qualified man as well. Right, and, and here's the thing, notice what the disciples didn't, they didn't just go find somebody. Right, they didn't, listen, we need some warm bodies. We need somebody who can do this. We're not gonna, we're just, whoever will do it, whoever wants to. Right, here's the thing, you, you just can't, here's something I've had to learn, you can't just put people in places and expect it to work. Right, it needs to be the right person or else it's just not gonna work. That's a tough lesson that I, you know, I've had to learn, not, not just as pastor, but in my Christian life. You just can't, you can't put anybody and everybody there. Right, and then they didn't just go, all right, first seven to the stage, get to be deacons. Right, they said, no, look out amongst them. Look out of those who have been coming faithfully and find men, one who had a good report. See, Acts chapter six, verse number three, we have the initial inspection. Right, they had to have an honest report. Right, in essence, they, they had to have a, a good testimony about them and, and what they've been doing. And then they have to be full of the Holy Ghost. Right, they have to be full of the Holy Ghost, led by the Spirit. They're not carnal, they're not worldly. They ought to have an honest report, a solid testimony, not just of salvation, but in their sanctification of becoming more like Christ. They'll be full of the Holy Ghost. In essence, they are, there's evidence in their life that they are led by the Spirit of God and not by their own motives and not by their own emotions and all those kind of things. They're not carnal, not worldly. And then they gotta be full of wisdom, have discernment and discretion. Why? They're, ste here they, they're stepping in to solve a problem. How many of us know if you're gonna solve a problem, you need wisdom, right? And so we see it tonight, they are to be, initially they were to be men of full, full of the Holy Ghost and of wisdom. But then we turn over to second, First Timothy tonight where we started at, and not only do we have a, 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 an initial inspection, but then we have an in-depth inspection. And just like we dealt with the pastor and his qualifications or not, the deacon has qualifications very similar to the pastor's. 
Right, the first one being right there, if you go down to verse uh, number eight, likewise, the deacons must be grave. Right, they must be grave. And I feel like if someone came up to me or some, if I came up to you and said, I just want to let you know, you're grave. I don't know if I'd take that as a compliment or, a, you know, you, you, you're picking at me. But that word means that they're serious. They're honest. They're honorable. In essence, they need to take the position serious. In essence, they need to realize it is, it is their ministry not given to them by the church, but given to them by God. It's to be taken serious. And then you go down to verse number eight. It continues on tonight. Likewise, deacons must be grave, not double-tongued. In essence, they, they tell the same story no matter who's listening. Right? And so preacher, why would it be an issue? Because they could easily, if they change the story to the whole oh, preacher, I tell you what, all them people love you, preacher, and they're behind you and they're supporting you. Listen, we're going to work on getting that joker out of here. Right? It's one thing to one person, but it's something else. He said the deacon ought not to be that. They ought to be, they ought not to be double-tongued. They ought to tell the same story no matter who's listening. Then they ought not to be given to much wine. A man of vice, just like pastor, in that sense, ministry is hard and serving people gets difficult. And if a man turns to a substance or a thing to try to solve that and fix that, sooner or later that thing's going to control him. Right, and there's some that'll go to this verse and say, well, this means the deacon can drink a little bit here and there. I can take it other portions of scripture and say you ought to stay away from it altogether. Amen. And here's the thing, if you're using the Bible to condone something that it clearly causes a sin, you're wrong. Amen. You're wrong tonight. Well, preacher, I just see it this way. Well, you see it wrong. <laughs> preacher. Well, that's what's wrong with America. Not enough preachers telling people things are wrong anymore. Here's, here's the interesting thing. That verse, you actually get more pushback from Christians than you do lost people or people claiming to be Christians. Oh, preacher, it's all right for me to drink. How, well, how can we don't deal with any other sin? What do you mean by that? Oh, it's, it's, it's not that bad. I only beat up my wife a little bit. Oh, preacher, it's not bad. I only committed a little bit of adultery. See, when you start living your life by principle, things get real. And not by situation and situation and situation and situation. We live in a world of, that tells you there's no absolute truth. The Bible's full of it tonight. You can't live by relative truth. It changes too much. They're not given to much wine. They're not greedy of filthy lucre. They can be trusted with money. Their family's in order, verses 11 through 12. <laughs> Who ever said that wives aren't important never read their Bibles? Here's the thing, I wrote this down, a serious man can be undone by a silly wife. Just as much as a serious wife can be undone by a, a silly husband. Look at verse number 11. And even so must their wife, I talked about Miss Becky about this, I said, it's interesting. There are no qualifications put on the pastor's wife. But you get down to verse number 12, it says, let the deacons be the husband, of, or excuse me, verse number 11, even so must their wives be grave, not slanderous, sober, faithful in all things. Whew, you said, preacher, well, I'm glad I, I, ain't, I ain't a deacon's wife. I, I, I can get away with a little bit of slander. Can I say tonight, if you hold somebody else to a higher standard than you hold yourself, guess what you are? Hypocrite. <laughs> Boy, I'm glad we shouted before, didn't we? <laughs> Not greedy if they look at their family in order. Here's the thing tonight. And a lot of times... He, we often look, and, and I'm just speaking from my personal experience here. I'm not saying every church is like this. I'm speaking from personal experience, what I've observed, and what I've seen over the years. 
is that oftentimes we look at the wrong qualities of a man to see whether or not they're going to be a deacon. Oh, preacher, he's successful. He's got a great business. He's got great business acumen. He's, he's, he's got a high education. Preacher, he's got a PhD. Right? He's, he's, uh, he's, got, he's got community recognition. He's well known in, in, in the community. <laughs> I'm not going to name the church, but it was around here. And they said, this man is our deacon. I, think I, said, I know that man. He's got ties to drug dealing. He's got ties to being dirty and being dishonest with his money. <laughs> and then I realized, well, that's why he became the deacon. He's got money. <laughs> and at the church, and I just remember thinking, that's, that, that can't be right. It's not right. Right, that's not what we look for. And the same thing, just like we talked about the pastor, if the only thing you look for is someone who preaches well, you're missing the rest of the important stuff. Right, and the same thing is true if we look and say, well, they gotta be good and all the, I'm not saying that those things disqualify you, but if that's the only thing you're looking at tonight, you're looking at the wrong things. And we say that their family has to be in order, not giving much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, and all these different things. A lot of just what was similar to the pastor. Now, listen, if your church needed deacons, wouldn't you want to, to be qualified ones. Not, not, just, not just anybody. Oh, yeah, appreciate it. We want qualified deacons around here. Well, you need to make sure you know the qualifications. Right? That way you know what you're looking for. So we see the inception deacon, Acts chapter number six. They're, they're brought on the scene to help out to serve the widows. Then we see the inspection of the deacon. And then we see the intentions of the deacon. This is 1 Timothy chapter three, verse 13. And we'll go back to Acts chapter number six, verse number seven. But the biblical goal of a deacon is it to become chairman of the board, right? It's not to run the church. It's not to control the pastor. It's not to hire or fire the pastor or be the pastor's yes man in that sense. Really, the deacon is a role of service. It's taking the load off of what the pastor cannot adequately do because there's just too much going on. In essence, it's really not even a recognition role, right? It's not a... Uh, it's, a, it's a biblical thing. And anytime you begin to serve Christ, you'll realize it's no longer about you. It's no longer about you. Right, I'm not pastoring South Haven Baptist Church because I hope 40 years from now y'all will put a statue about me in the front yard. Right, I'm pastoring because it's what God's called me to. It's where he's put me at. The same thing would be true here. In essence, <laughs> when it comes to the time and the place and God leads us that way, right, it's going to be a serious thing. We're not going to have deacon elections. We're not going to have, well, you serve for a year and then, you, then we'll fill somebody else in you. In essence, the same thing when it comes to being a deacon. It ought to be, I, I, I'm here until God moves me or God says otherwise. And it's the same thing with a pastor. I think when a pastor takes a church, he'll take it saying, I'll be here for the rest of my life unless God changes his mind. Not, well, I'll be here until another church calls. I'll be here until a bigger and better comes through. But so notice, well, what is the goal of a deacon? 1 Timothy 3.13 is to have a good testimony. Look at it. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase themselves a good degree, a good testimony, right? It's not a deacon that abuses, but really it's a deacon that excels, right? And, and, and I don't know if you've ever heard the horror stories and, and all those different kind of things. Look, I, heard, I heard enough horror stories in Bible college that I was like, all right, Lord, I don't think you called me to this. <laughs> Lord, I, can I just go be a bull rider again? It sounds a lot simpler. 
Right, but in essence, a, a deacon who takes his position well is not one that rules the church and everybody's afraid of him and the pastor's afraid of him and everybody's scared to speak out of him, out against him. That's not what it's about, but rather he uses it to bring glory and honor to God. And he'll probably end up doing a lot of things that nobody notices or sees because that's the way it's supposed to be. They have a good testimony. They grow their faith. Look at verse number 13. So for they have used their office of a deacon, well purchased themselves a good degree in great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. In essence, if becoming a deacon makes you more carnal and worldly, you're not doing it right. If it becomes a political position, if it becomes a, 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 a what's the word I'm looking for, a homecoming vote in that sense, popularity vote, you're not doing it right. It's to grow their faith. Then we go back to Acts chapter number 6. Verse number seven. Not only is it to have a good testimony to grow their faith, but we see it's to allow God to work. Look at verse number seven. They have brought these men in. They've prayed for them. These men have begun to serve God and serve the widows and help take care of the daily administrations of, uh, of the church there in Jerusalem. And now these disciples are able to give themselves to the word of God and study and prepare to feed the flock of God that is among them. The Bible said, and the word of God increased. And the word of God increased. And, and I'll, I'll go on record on saying when the, the position of deacon gets out of line, right, and they, they get into a position that God did not design them to be, it's just like anything else in the Christian life. If things get out of order, it's not going to grow, it's not going to increase. Matter of fact, if things get out of order, it's headed toward disaster. It's headed towards decline. I don't, I don't know the average on it tonight, but I'm pretty sure if you went and asked all the dead churches in America how many of them have deacon boards that run the church, you'd probably find a high percentage there, a high statistic there. Right, but it is allow God to work. And the word of God increased. The scriptures are taught. The scriptures are taught, and, and it's not just a flyover and a passover and a, a, a informative, but there's deep riches from the word of God, but you don't find deep riches by accident. You find them by study. And when the deacons came in, it alleviated the men that were studying to, 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 from that daily requirement. It was, it, they wanted to make sure they were taken care of, but they knew they couldn't just do it themselves and do everything else on top of that. Then deacons step in, and now these men are able to study, and the word of God increased. I could just see those disciples. Man, tell you what, the best thing the Lord ever told us to do was get deacons. <laughs> because now they're able to preach, and they preach with power and demonstration, and it's wonderful. The scriptures are taught. The saints are strengthened. Right? And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. Right? Because now things are taking, being taken care of. I'm trying to think how they said it in Bible college. I can't remember, remember what the thing is, but God will never give you more, in a sense, than what you're ready for, what you're prepared for, and what you're, uh, what you're set up for in that sense, right? The saints are strengthened. I'm not saying come in here and have everything by routine. Take your hymnals. We will turn to 120. We will sing victory in Jesus. You'd sing great. Now take your hymnal. I'm not talking about that tonight, but have those things in order, set up the way that God has them set up, and when they begin to function and they begin to obey God and trust God, right, the saints are strengthened, they are multiplied. And then souls are saved, right? Souls are saved. 
and the great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. We see that tonight, and the same thing is true. When things get in order, right, I've heard a preacher say this, you ever heard a preacher say this? I'll take wildfire over no fire. That sounds good, but God said, I want everything done decently and in order. And like I said, that's not having a, a ritual and a schedule. Like you said, you come in here, and you're not going to open up our bulletin and find the message for the or the series for the next six months. Can I say sometimes it is a day by day, <laughs> the day before the day of. God will say, well, it, it wasn't where you was reading and studying that, but go turn over here real quick. And I'm saying, Lord, can't you just tell me that two weeks ago? <laughs> but it's, it's one of those where you, you obey God and you follow his leading, you follow his command, and you structure it the way that you structure it. And tonight, there's some churches, they have 300 deacons, They've got committees, they've got boards and programs, they've got a carpet committee, a wall paint committee, they've got chair committee, they've got, uh, I can't think of, uh, usher plates, <laughs> offering plates, that's what they're called, committee. They've got committees for everything, they've got a chairman of each committee, and they've got chairmen for the chairman, and they've got the deacons, you've got the deacons chairman, and you got, it's, you're looking at it like, that looks like Washington. Right, I'm not saying that, that you know, the church isn't allowed to have a treasurer or, or not allowed to have a financial committee and those, those kind of things. But you've got you to step back and ask them, so is this tradition or is this biblical? And if we're allowing tradition to override the Bible, God's not going to work. He's not going to move. He's not going to bless it. God always blesses obedience, and he never blesses disobedience. And we like to tell it to our kids we like to make sure they got it. And if they don't got it, they get the spoon of sanctification. But then sometimes we as adults forget that God asks that out of us as well to be obedient to what he's commanded and told us to do. And the intention of the deacon, they're not to take over the church. They're not to step in and now we are the governing body of the church. No, they're there to help serve. They're there to help make hospital visits, take care of the widows. And here's the thing tonight. We don't have them yet, but we have men, and we have folks in here that are willing to do that. In essence tonight, I can be honest with you, there are times where I feel overwhelmed. But it's not every day. Right? It's not, uh, oh, I don't have no time to study. Right? I got to do this, I got to do that, I got to do this, I got to do that, I got to do that. Matter of fact, y'all call me all the time, and here's what you say, preacher, I don't mean to bother you. Can I say tonight, it's not a bother? Right? If I can't do it, I'll tell you, listen, I can't do that. Right? Or if I'm not able to, I'm not able to. But there's been things that have been done around here and done at y'all's houses and done for folks around here that I found out when y'all got to church that so-and-so took care of that. And I'm thankful for that. I mean, I'm thankful for that there's people that are stepping up to do those things. And the intention of the deacon tonight is along that same that same avenue, that same road tonight. They're there to help the pastor. They're there to help the church. They're there to help take the load off. In essence, they're the Aaron and the her holding up the pastor's hands, right, so the pastor can better uh, you know, prepare himself and study, but at the same time, it's not so the pastor doesn't have to do anything. Right, I, I'm a firm believer. There's some that'll, that'll they'll go to their grave arguing with me about this. The only thing the pastor's supposed to do is to preach the word of God. Right, I, and here's the thing, that they can do that but then why do they call us pastors? <laughs> if I were supposed to do preach, we ought to call us preachers. 
Right? We, we say that, but really, a pastor does more than that. But here's the thing tonight when it comes to deacons. I'll, I'll wrap this thing up tonight. When they're biblical, they're right. God ordained it. God established it. God gave us the principle and the pattern for it. And as God leaves, listen, I'm not saying that South Baptist Church will never have deacons. But at this time, <laughs> we don't have any. And it seems like, this could just be me being naive, but it seems like things are going well. It seems like the Lord's blessing, God's moving. Right? But God keeps blessing, keeps bringing people in. There's going to come a time where I'm going to say, listen, I can't do this no more. I can't do it all in that sense anymore. I'm going to need some help. And so you pray when that day comes that God will give me discernment, understanding, leader, lead me in the right people and all that kind of stuff tonight. So the intentions of the deacon, they're not, they're not to run the church. They're not to be scared of and all those kind of things. They're biblical and they're right. And when they're biblical and right, they're a blessing to the church tonight. Let's pray to Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you again for this evening.